Hello and welcome to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 19 for Tuesday, November 23rd, 2010. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. Well, it's been a few weeks since the last podcast, and I apologize for that, but hopefully I can make it up to you with the interview I have for you today. In today's episode, I talked to Stephen Wilmot. He's CEO and co-founder of 3Scale, a company that helps other companies build, manage, and grow their web APIs. Despite being a startup, they are an internationally distributed team, and in this interview, I talked to Steve about how they make that work. It's a pretty long conversation, so rather than wasting any more time on introductions, on to the interview. So let's let's dive into this. Um, so uh, first of all, um, Stephen, uh, just tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, great. Yeah. So my name is Stephen Wilmot. I'm the CEO of ThreeScale, and ThreeScale is a company which provides infrastructure for APIs. So APIs are additional channels that a lot of Companies now adding to their web presences to allow partners and mobile apps to get directly at the data or the services. And we basically provide the way for people to um, do access control on that, do analytics on the traffic that's coming in and out of those channels, and potentially also charge for them if they want to do that, um, but also build kind of the developer community around that and support the people who are using who are using the API channel. That sounds like a fairly unique mm-hmm. service. Uh, it's it's pretty unique. There's there's a couple of other companies in the space, but obviously we think we're the best. We're, we're right. there a couple of others have more funding and are bigger than us, but it's pretty pretty new. And uh, yeah, it's it's exci- it's exciting. I mean, the web's changing in a big way. It's kind of rewiring itself. Uh, you could could say it like that. No one no one builds a website by itself anymore. Everything's connected to everything else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a pretty cool cool thing, and, and we're we're kind of having fun with it. So hopefully doing a good job at the same time. Very cool. Yeah. So where are you right now? So right now I'm in Barcelona in Spain, which is where our main office is. So uh, I'm actually not Spanish. I'm half German, half English, but I've lived here seven years, something like that. And when we created the company, it was like, well, should we move or should we stay? And in the end, we stayed. So, So that was good. And we have people scattered around through various historical reasons and things, you know, partnerships we've had and it's become a pretty uh, diverse set of people and a diverse kind of working environment that we have. Yeah, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Um, tell me about about where um, the makeup of your, of your company, where where everyone is, and um, and and how that came about. Right. Um, yeah. So so there's kind of two dimensions to it. One is where everybody is most of the time, so where they're based, and then where everybody is when they're traveling, because we do a fair bit of traveling. Uh, the core of the company is technical. Um, obviously, we're building our systems and solutions, um, uh, so that's kind of a big part of it. Um, but then there's also sales operations, and we travel a lot to see clients um, uh, and so forth. So there's kind of the, the static and the dynamic picture. We have this office in Barcelona, which is our home base. Uh, we also have one in Sunnyvale in California, 
um, where there's like one or two people, depending on, on who's around. And um, one of the guys there also spends a lot of time in Chicago, which is where his family is. So it really um, kind of, even in even within the, our U.S. presence, which is kind of two people right now, there's a kind of, you know, there's, there's motion. Um, then here in, in Europe, we've got the Barcelona office, but for a long time, we've had people who work uh, outside of the office. So we have one of the, one of the team uh, who's a really great software developer. He happens to own a pretty large piece of land on the top of the Pyrenees, which is a mountain range about, I guess, three hours drive away from here on the mm. border with France. Mm-hmm. And uh, he even has he even has his own solar power and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of crazy. Wow. So he works he works from there, and um, I think he, gener- he generates electricity from a stream that runs through his property. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but uh, it causes problems. And like, I think uh, two years ago there was just a lot of huge snowstorms during the winter, and it just took out his his uh, his connection. So he, he couldn't work for three or four. It was literally, uh, I don't know, it was like six weeks he couldn't really connect to the internet properly. So that was, that was pretty bad. My goodness. But yeah. So we, we managed. And then we've got another team member who used to work out of the Barcelona office and we, we got in extremely well with him. Um, but then he, he kind of moved away. So first he was in Galicia, which is another part of Spain. Then he was in the UK for a while and now he's in, in another part of France. So he, he dials in, um, we work via Skype with him, so that's that's a really cool working relationship. And and yeah, then there's the other dimension that myself and some of the other people on the business side we travel a lot, so we obviously try to keep in sync with what's going on. So we're not a huge team, but it's um yeah, it's it's pretty diverse. So if we didn't have a lot of the tools that we use, we just we wouldn't be able to run the company. So um, how, ma- how many yeah. people is it all together? Uh, we're actually uh, twelve people in oh. total. Which is not huge, but mm-hmm. it's uh, still you need to keep in touch with everybody and figure out what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, is yeah, this so. is your is this your first uh, widely distributed team, or have you done uh, something like this before? So I've worked in in um, in very big teams with people in a lot of different locations before. I used to work um, for uh, various universities and companies doing. European Commission-sponsored research, and um, a lot of those projects are very big. So we're talking 10 or 20 million uh, euros of investment, and they can involve a lot of partners. So the biggest one I was involved in had a hundred different organisations involved. Obviously, those weren't touching base every day, but there was there was a, a significant um, interchange daily between a, a large subset of those partners to actually build code and software and platforms and then there were others who were essentially users so it was a really big ecosystem they were used to doing that um, most of that time was cross-organizational coordination because those projects generally have two to three people in each of the partner organizations who are working together with everybody else in the other partner organizations so mm. we would use things like Basecamp and, and Skype and so forth to keep in touch but it's kind of a less um a less intense collaboration experience because most of those members are not doing that as their full day job. They're doing it maybe as half of their day job or thirty percent of it. So, so you would describe uh, your your current collaboration experience with Three Scale as, as a closer collaboration than that? Uh, well, yeah, it is. I think here, like within Three Scale, we were all focused on the same goal. Mm-hmm. Um, we have obviously the customers, our customers, partners that we work with um, who are external, and so we interact with them a lot. But everybody in the company 
it, this is their full-time job and we were all focused on that. Whereas in these previous collaborations, it was a, a project of two to three years, so it was significant. Mm. Um, but it was um, sort of part of everybody's day job, but it wasn't the full the full thing that they were doing. So there is a difference between a, a cross-organizational team and a, an internal one. Also, the cross-organizational one, when you're managing it, like in a lot of cases like I was, um, it's different because you don't – the resources don't work for you. They work for another company. So they're subject to other politics and other pressures. So that makes some things more difficult. Um, uh, but, you know, you can still get a great experience out of it. But it's definitely different having a, a small team like us mm-hmm. kind of all pulling in the same direction. And um, it's kind of easier, let's say. So describe for me, if you would – just sort of a day in the life of, of three scale, how you are, how you work together, uh, uh, right. while separated. So depending on where everybody is at, at any one time, um, there's definitely, you know, different, different parts to it. So there's the technical part of the technical team. Um, and, uh, we, we basically have, there's a, a stand up meeting, a scrum meeting in the morning at like 10.30 and whoever's not around physically, if they can, they'll dial in via Skype. Um, so we'll have a video connection. And that'll last about 15 minutes. We use tools like Pivotal, uh, GitHub, um, a number of other code sharing tools um, that basically track the system so that everybody can work independently, but obviously using version control can, can basically sync the branches up and, and, and get things delivered. We'll normally try to work on a weekly delivery cycle for the main product, so we're, we're fixing things, changing things um, over time. And generally, people work independently during the day unless something comes up where they need to talk to one of the other team members. And if they're if they're physical, they'll they'll talk in the office. If they're not, they'll they'll do that via Skype. And um, since Skype added screen sharing, that definitely helps. Uh, beforehand, we often we often had. We're trying to describe a problem by voice that was just impossible. So the only solution was somebody else to download the code and install it and figure out what that branch was doing. Mm-hmm. So this way, people can just show it on screen and you're done in, in a minute to understand what the problem is. So, so that part, so the technical part is pretty uh, autonomous. And then we, the way our product works, customers can sign up and use it themselves, um, but we still support them a fair bit. So a number of us in the team spend a fair bit of time uh, in Skype calls with with people, either explaining them how the, how the product works, or explaining to them how to do things, or pointing them to the right documentation. Um, that's that element. And we have um, a small business team who are mostly we might be going to events, um, or again, um, just talking to people that have contacted us about using our solution. And that's pretty pretty varied, but we try to tie that together more on a on a weekly or basis or every two to three days uh, we'll think um, kind of more intensively about each of the companies that we're talking to and what they might need and try to transfer that back to the tech team as well to make sure we you know build the stuff that's needed if, if it's urgent hmm. this is pretty pretty dynamic <laughs> um, but I guess you know weekly uh, daily scrum meetings and um, weekly planning meetings are, are the, the main glue behind everything hmm. okay um, uh, well, I would say go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to to ask uh, where your customers are mostly located, if there's a concentration, or if it's just all, all over the world. Um, primarily, it's the UK and the US. 
Mm-hmm. So the, the U.S. is the biggest place, um, biggest number of customers. Then the U.K. We have a couple in Spain and other places in Europe, but primarily it's outside of Spain. So um, um, do, do your, does the Sunnyvale location take care of, of a lot of the, the U.S. side support? I was, I'm just kind of curious how you deal with the, the time difference. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we have a kind of frontline support from the Sunnyvale um, office. So it's mostly sales and customer contacts, but that's kind of frontline support. But real like technical support, if there's really a technical issue or something deeper, we deal with out of Spain. Okay. And um, we basically have, a, unfortunately, a rotational principle where basically people have to be around and available at certain times of, times of the night, and we, we try to schedule it. So we're still pretty small, so this kind of is tough for us to do. Um, but we, you know, that that's the quality of service that we have to make sure is there for our customers. So right now, it's still more cost-effective for us to do it out of Spain than it is to have our resources in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Once once we grow a little bit, hopefully we'll be able to do that and cover the time zones better. But um, that was what we do. We we provide 24-hour support if it's if it's needed. Uh, well, to, there are different classes of service, but we provide up to 24 hours mm-hmm. of support. So. Yeah, it's it's not a pleasant situation. We try to rot- rotate it as much as possible, but uh, it has to be done. And but somebody guess, winds up staying up late. Yeah, somebody winds up staying up late, um, or getting up very early, or so there's a bunch of different combinations that that, that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always have people available, and then yeah, in the long term, definitely the time zones, uh, you know. They can actually work for you if you have people distributed. So that's our objective to have, you know, build up, have more presence in the U.S. I guess it's going to happen mm. fairly surely. And that's one of the headaches that I hope we'll be able to solve. Mm. Um, right now, we don't have too many clients in Asia, although that could happen. So then uh, that'll be an additional part of the daily cycle to cover. And logically, I can definitely see the company having a, a physical presence um, in that time zone as well. It makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah. We we tried. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say we tried to we tried to really work hard to centralize all the documentation and all the information that's about our systems that we use internally and that's also available to our customers. Do you and use like reason, a wiki for that or? Yeah, we we have wikis. Um, so internally, we use Assembler for that. So we have a whole bunch of different tools for that. Okay. Um, we also provide information of various types and granularities to the customers that are using our system. So often they're able to help themselves, or they can we can just point them somewhere. Um, but we work hard to have that documentation in place because we know that as we scale up and we have different locations, uh, you really need that baseline of information. Otherwise, it gets really difficult to manage um, more than one location. Mm-hmm. You basically need all your content online and shareable. Otherwise, you can't can't deal with issues when they arise. So we, we uh, you mentioned uh, Skype, Assembla, uh, GitHub. Um, are there any tools um, that you're missing? Tools you wish you had, or or uh, frustrations with the existing tools uh, for remote collaboration? Um, I guess I wouldn't say that there's something really directly missing. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly on the code on the code side, we have we use Pivotal a lot, so that's really great for for keeping track of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and GitHub is a really great way to do distributed code. Um, and we use 
uh, Zoho CRM, and we we have a whole bunch of those tools. I guess mm. what what for me is the most frustrating thing is that sometimes you want to um, you want a kind of a dashboard where you you pull a lot of this information together and you can see how you're progressing in, in a certain way. Right. And all of these tools tend to have their own dashboards. <laughs> there's no there's no kind of overall thing where you can pull it together, and that's especially true on the sales side. Yeah. So kind of Zoho CRM. It basically assumes that you're using Zoho and nothing else, um, and it'll give you data. It's like a huge database, and it's kind of you can get information out of it. But um, it would be nice to, you know, as a team, to be able to see in a more visual way where we were with, you know, with certain things that we're doing for our customers. Right. And um, that kind of thing is is still missing. I think like um, integrating some of this data and structuring it in a way which which gives you what you want in a in kind of short order. I think that's kind of a almost a holy grail because I've, yeah, I know a sure. lot of people that I've talked to have have had that same um, that same complaint that, or that same desire um, to have. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, think, I guess that everybody everybody wants that stuff. But I think the, the reason I think it's so important though is that you you we've we've got used to having all the data available. Yeah, the data isn't by itself information. It doesn't right. help. It's, well, it's fragmented. Well, it's fragmented and um, it gives you kind of just whatever tool you're using gives you a default view of it. Whereas if you were able to manipulate that view a bit and twist it up and down, you'd get another perspective on the data and it might actually help you make a decision or may, might encourage you to make a decision that you wouldn't make otherwise. Mm. Um, so what I mean is, you know, you might figure out that, uh, you know, you're, you're spending a ton of time on one particular thing. Um, when you wouldn't know that unless you'd um, you'd actually looked at the data in the right way, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, if you're if you're working to deliver a project, um, getting yeah. alerts that certain things aren't working very well, just tracking the interdependencies between things. So, mm-hmm. I think um, it is a kind of holy grail. Probably won't be achieved for a long time, or at least not in a fully generic way. But I think there's more that can be done. Many many of these services have APIs, so hopefully. That's what we're in the business of doing is helping people use them. So maybe that will actually help pull this together in a in a more um, structured way. I hope so. Right, and yeah. I mean there there are, there are tools like Yammer which are, which are great in the sense that they are pulling together a lot of different features. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. We didn't even talk about that. Uh, we, we didn't talk about that one so much, but it it basically allows us to like it allows us to um kind of have more long running conversations Skype. Mm-hmm. Is good, but when you log in at the end of the day, and there are nine kind of, I think I'm in around 50 Skype chats because we use it with clients externally as well. Mm-hmm. And um, if you haven't been online for a day, you'll have in one chat you might have 250 notifications. And there's no way you're going to read that. Right. And um, Skype clients also don't sync across clients. So if you have multiple machines, it's an issue. Mm-hmm. So. Yammer's pretty good for that. But I think, I mean, Yammer's objective seems to be that they're kind of growing the tool set around itself, which right. makes a lot of sense for them as a company point of view. But I think it's unlikely that teams like us are going to just go for one product and just say, this is all we use ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the long run, I, I definitely think that these tools need to have more and more open interfaces so that people can kind of aggregate them in a way that makes sense for them. Right. What have been the um, the biggest challenges that you've run into as you've scaled up to a, a distributed team? Um, I definitely think that 
having two two main offices in two on two different continents and especially that's the west coast of the US which is a great place to be for us so we were happy to be there mm-hmm. um, but uh, it's a nine hour time difference mm-hmm. um, so even just syncing um, between offices is challenging somebody's definitely going to be outside of a normal working day mm-hmm. so what we did to cope with that we, we time shifted the European day a little bit later um, and then we're a startup anyway so people work relatively longish hours but mm-hmm. that was challenging just just from a timeline point of view but also um, yeah. you have work to do so you can't spend your whole day on the phone or pinging each other on Skype so that means that you know little bits of information and things don't get shared so easily so it's, it's easy to get um frustrated maybe if something's not happening in both directions so that that kind of creates a it's a difficult uh, scenario to, to make sure it, that it works mm-hmm. um, one thing is being distributed another one is just being kind of in different time zone and not even you know having a good time to, to sync how often does everyone get together in one place um, so actually I'm I was trying to figure this out the other day. Um, I don't think that the whole company has been in one place for more than two years. Hmm. Yeah, so we've almost managed it, but almost it's it's always been like one or two people haven't made it. So yeah, well, uh, past a certain size, yeah, there's always going to be someone that that has has exactly. other it's, uh, commitments. It's tricky. So even when we've had the US team members over here, it hasn't always been the case that all the European team members have been in the same place either. Mm-hmm. So um, we've we've had everybody meets each other fairly regularly, but getting 100% uh, in one place is actually pretty unusual. Mm-hmm. So I might be wrong about the two years. It, potentially last year there was a time because um, we've grown uh, like a reasonable amount in that time. So obviously at the beginning... Um, uh, there were very few of us, so it was easy. But right. Once we had the U.S. office, it started to get more complicated, and then when we have people in France and the U.K. and various other places, it makes it even even more unlikely that you'll get everything. So certainly, yeah. So uh, maybe there'll never be another time. But, <laughs> but you <laughs> do you you have like the um, the the U.S. office people uh, fly over from time to time. Yeah, exactly. They they, they do come over mm-hmm. and meet people because it's just. It's impossible to kind of conti- continuously work remotely and just not know people. You need to put a name to a face. And sure, yeah. It makes a huge difference. So we do do that. Um, that certainly happens. But, um, yeah, that, and they've, I think everybody has met each other okay. at some point. But physically all being in the same place at the same time, I actually think it might not have happened for a while. So we'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to work on that for, for next year or whenever we, whenever we can. Mm-hmm. So, um, as you've grown as a dispersed team, is there anything that you thought would be harder and uh, or more of a challenge, and, and actually turned out not to be? Um, that's a good question. So that would be harder. Uh, I mean, I, I thought that we would have a lot more hassle with communication uh, infrastructure issues than we do. Um. We definitely, I think everybody's pretty pretty quickly dropped into when people join the company, they pretty quickly drop into using the various on t- online tools that we have, and information is shared pretty well, and, and people find it, and um, especially 
I think this guy just made it, makes a huge difference. Um, we also use GoToMeeting and a number of other of those tools, but they're mostly and we want to do demos for people. Um, okay. But just just being able to click a button and have um, you know have seven people on a chat to, mm. in a in a voice chat together and actually working. And um, one of them happens to be in a hotel somewhere because they're visiting someone, and one of them is you know in a totally different time zone. And that just working is something that's pretty incredible. I think. Um, when we started three years ago, it sort of worked, but I certainly don't think it worked at the level that, that it does now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's starting to become also easy to link uh, physical phone numbers and mobile phone numbers and things to to each other. So if we have U.S. communication, it can be linked to Skype as well. And so it, mm-hmm. it really it's much easier to do that. I think if you go back a few years, I would expect that to be much more of a headache than, than it actually is. That makes in sense. fact, it's, it's totally the norm that you can just talk to anybody that you want within the company, unless they happen to be asleep, uh, <laughs> pretty much at the time. And that's kind of kind of incredible if you think about it. It is. It really is. Yeah. So I yeah. I ask I ask uh, everyone this: if if you were to talk to a a team that uh, was thinking about. Uh, uh, becoming a dispersed team or, or somebody that was thinking of, of starting up a, a geographically distributed team, uh, is there any advice that you would have for them? Um, I guess there's two, two things that I would say that, that are really important. That the most important is that you do need to try to meet regularly, um, at least within the groups that are working together tightly. If you, if you don't meet at all, um, it gets really difficult, especially if some of the people are absolutely like they're, they're just the only person in their location. So I would really aim to make sure that people get together, I would say, every few months as a minimum. And also, I kind of love having the office environment that we have. It's, um, you know, it just allows us to talk with a whiteboard and do stuff that is still difficult to do online. And then the idea would be, would be if you're a distributed team and you're setting it up like that way, you, you could, I would really try to aim for having more than one person in each location. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might not all, always work out of the same office every day, but they might be located in the same city or within a couple of hours drive of mm-hmm. each other so that they can go and have coffee once in a while and bitch about everybody else or whatever, it, <laughs> whatever it is they want to do. But at least they, they feel like there's some physical connection to the company and it's not just uh, totally virtual. So I think the kind of ideal is to have small clusters of people. Um, uh-huh. Some people might just work on their own and they're totally happy with that, but uh, I think it, it brings people together a bit more and then you have less misunderstandings if you if you know the people as – if you go for a beer with them once in a while. Yes. You know, it just provides a whole other context for, for working together and it's more fun, so – I guess that's probably the big, the biggest deal. Meet, meet mm-hmm. once in a while, and try to not have people who are totally out on their own. Uh, actually, something uh, you said there um, made me think of this. Uh, does anyone has anyone in the company taken uh, advantage of co-working spaces? Uh, is that something that uh, is common in, yeah. in, the, in so, Europe? So yeah, they're starting to exist actually. So um, for example, we we're in London a lot. So it's one of the places where we have a number of customers. And so there's there's um, quite a few co-working spaces in London. There's actually a new one called Tech Hub, which got set up 
by quite a by some of the guys from TechCrunch and a few other people kind of got together and, and made this happen. Oh, okay. And we, we we tried to help make that happen as well. Mm. And um, that's pretty new. I think they opened a couple of months ago. So we actually go there a fair bit, and it's a great place. Basically, you pay a, a month a yearly fee, mm-hmm. and um, it's, which is pretty low. Uh, it's right now I think it's three hundred pounds a year. Um, but then whenever you want a desk, you just pay ten pounds, ten UK pounds a day, which is probably mm-hmm. about fifteen, sixteen dollars. Mm-hmm. And you have Wi-Fi connection, a whole bunch of people around, uh, meeting rooms. And, uh, it's it's a kind of a it makes it just a ton of sense uh, mm-hmm. to be able to go somewhere. Which you don't want every day, but you can go and interact in that environment. Mm. And then they also have permanent desks. So we don't do that right now, but I can definitely see it happening in the future. It provides a kind of a hub um, uh, for people to go. And, um, and if anyone who's listening is in London, I definitely recommend going there. But I'm sure there's places, plenty of other places in the world that, that have a similar dynamic. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are popping up all over. Yeah, makes, makes a lot of sense. And I think it's good because you meet, you, you, okay, you might have a company office, but most of the companies are small, and especially if you're distributed, you're not going to have probably more than two or three people um, around. So having a whole bunch of other people doing similar things is is a, is a nice way to kind of broaden everybody's horizons. Mm-hmm. Certainly. All right, well, finally... Um uh, is there uh, anything that you'd like to say about about ThreeScale um, or any other projects that you'd like to to um, tell people about? Um, well, I can do a can do a short ad. I would say Go that, for it. that I think. <laughs> well, I think we um, uh, basically what what ThreeScale does is we're trying to help people get their data into the hands of other people, and hopefully some of some of that will get over into collaborative work as well so some of the customers we work with are definitely going in that direction and I think the web's been built like on these silos up until now so everybody builds their own app if you go to Basecamp um, they've had an API for a long time and it's really more and more important so hopefully part of what we do provide that infrastructure is to make it really easy for people to get their data into other applications and in the long run people probably build their own work environment based on all of these underlying tools and hopefully we can help make that happen so um, we definitely you know want to work with companies that are that are putting out those those kind of channels and we can help um, but yeah and if anyone in, I mean we're we're in those locations so if if anyone wants to talk to us or get some feedback on how we do things right and wrong then we're happy to chat so pretty open and if one of people want to hang out in any of our offices then just also tell us and we'll we normally have some desk space available, at least in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So happy to see people come through. Very cool. And it's it's threescale uh, dot com, right? Threescale uh, dot com works, but most threescale uh, dot net is the dot net. Sorry, but we we have we have them both. So okay, either is fine. And are you are you on Skype as as uh, as a company or? I'm not sure that we have threescale on Skype as a company. Okay. Um, we should do that. That's a good idea. <laughs> taken the name already. Um, but you can you can always ping me, which is which is NJYX Skype. That's my name. Or um, I'm NJYX on Skype. Did, did I say Skype? You know, I actually meant to, to to ask about to ask about Twitter, and and I guess I guess we've been talking about Skype so much. Oh, yeah, Skype. We're, we're three scale on Twitter. Yeah, yeah so if you go that's to what three, I meant. 
she got asked for his channel on Twitter. I was, but actually it's a good idea. You know, we should, we should get Skype. Um, yeah. Actually, it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work because you can't, you can't have a number as your first, um, as your first character. Uh, okay. But anyway, it was a good no, I, I did mean I did mean Twitter. I, I apologize for that. Yeah, we're, we're three scale on Twitter and we're three scale dot net. Um, oh, very good. And stick three scale into into Google, you will definitely find us. All right. Well, Stephen, thank you, uh, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you for the for the opportunity and great to talk to you and, and keep keep putting out those podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Wide Teams podcast. Please visit us on the web at wideteams.com to leave feedback and enjoy more articles, screencasts, and conversations about dispersed teams. The Wide Teams podcast is a service of ShipRise LLC and is released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next time, this is Avdi Grimm signing off. Why, why, why,